At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dummler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. This show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos, with an extra focus on the upcoming NFL draft. With Chad and Luke rejoining us on the huddle up, that's exciting. Nick and I will continue to talk general Broncos news. We will be much more draft heavy in our content, because building teams in April is arguably as fun as the actual games on Sunday, in our opinions. Follow myself. On Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH, and add us as much as you like, and follow the podcast account at HuddleUp underscore MHH. We are active on social media and love to talk prospects with Broncos. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as Nick and me, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as iHeart, Stitcher, and Speaker, and don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now this episode, we'll be closing the page on Romo to Denver conversation, which I'm sure all of us are ready to be done with, and once again, take on some prospects that Nick and I don't completely agree on with our evaluations, and so how about we just get this thing going? Let's let's huddle up, starting Sounds with our episode seven. So... Let's just get the Romo situation out of the way. You know, it's been talked about for months. I'm sure Bronco fans would be happy without hearing Romo's name again until they hear that he's in the broadcast proof. You and I have uh, a disagreed on this throughout the offseason. Uh, surprise, surprise that you and I disagree. <laughs> it happens. You were, yeah, it does. You were a, a pro-Romo guy, and I was, of course, a pro-Lynch. Uh, and I like Simeon, too. I'm not not saying I'm against Simeon or anything like that, but... And, and the idea of being able to spend that extra money on building up the roster around a real guy. So let's start off. Are, are you surprised that Romo's retiring? I am surprised and not surprised. Let me just dance around that completely starting off. The gig to work for CBS, I mean, talk about a cushy job. You know, he's going to get paid, doesn't have to get hit. He can stay close to his family and, you know, just be a voice on TV. So that's that sounds like a fantastic gig that, I mean, might not have been there if he continued to play football. Now, that being said, instead of just outright retiring, the Cowboys also released him today. So that's something that is worth following. I can think of another veteran quarterback that was retired and then released and then went on to go play for the Jets and then went on to go play for the Vikings in Brett Favre. Not that Tony Romo is Brett Favre. Sometimes he throws picks like Brett Favre, but it's just I think that's interesting. You know, you see like, Issues just recently this offseason with uh, Marshawn Lynch uh, contemplating coming out of retirement and whispers about his interest with the Raiders. Now he retired, but Seattle did not outright release him. So they still own his rights. So he can't just walk on to the Raiders. The Cowboys, however, outright released Romo. And from what I have heard, both the Broncos and the Texans have called into Tony Romo and his agent, just seeing how committed he is to being retired, you know, just, just checking. Now, of course you're going to have Elway and those in the Broncos organization, you know, playing that PR game saying, Oh, we've always been happy with Lynch and Simeon. I don't buy it for a second. And from what I've heard from other people, that's just complete 
hog nanny. I guess we'll throw that word out there as well. Um, but I just, uh, I think it's, we can close the book on it, but it's going to be worth monitoring still. I think it's very unlikely that he leaves this gig, this cushy gig with CBS and kind of betrays Jerry. Although Jerry kind of messed around with him a little bit there at the end, unfortunately. But the fact that they outright released him, there's just that sliver of a chance. And I'm not going to say there's, it's a 0% chance of happening still. Yeah. Now I did learn something interesting today that part of the release was with the idea that he got to keep all of his signing bonus. That that was, a, I guess, a do-right by the Cowboys and making sure that he got to keep his millions. And the only way that happened that the NFL wouldn't try to come back and take some of his money was if they released him. So interesting. Just just throwing that out there. I I don't know. You know, it, it might be just kind of that PR talk of well, this is why this happened. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, it, it's kind of one of those the door the door is closed, but it's not locked. Yes. You know, even even Romo today, from what I understand, is his press conference about CBS. You know, he just said I'm committed to CBS. He never said I'm never opening that door again. You know, I mean, he he never went to that direction. So I, we'll, we'll see how that goes. He we see a lot of these players who go into broadcasting and then they get that itch, you know, it's just, it's not challenging enough. You know, it's, it's a cushy job. It's great. You make money, you get to talk football, all those kind of things. But when you are, you know, at this level of competition where every day, you know, you're fighting to be better than the guy next to you. And that's just hard to do in a broadcast booth. So that's why we see, you know, John Lynch becoming a GM. That's why we have Elway as a GM, you know, all these guys just want to keep, Competing. Yeah, competing, getting into the game. But yeah, I, I'm, I've been saying for weeks that I thought he would go this direction. The fact that things weren't resolved, the fact that he wasn't saying anything himself about not being released. Um, I just thought there was a perfect storm brewing for him to, to retire this year. You know, just coming back from major injuries for two straight years, kid on the way, uh, you know, having to learn a whole new system, team, city, you know, all those things. I mean, that, that's a lot of, lot of change. And then you throw in, you know, maybe having to move his family or having to try to fly back and forth and try to make that work, but get to know your new team. You know, it just, there, there's a lot of things. And then you add in, CBS comes in and says, you know what, we're going to give you our top job at CBS Sports. He's going to be making millions of dollars. I mean, the, the money side of it wouldn't have been an issue anyway, but because he's made over $100 million, I think $127 million is what I saw, something like that from football. So, I'll take some of that. Yeah, maybe, I know. Yeah, yeah. Just just throw a little bit our way. Um, but no, I, I just thought if there was a time where he would really think about it a lot, this was it. And so it doesn't surprise me a whole lot. Um, I still think he probably had another two years if he could maybe learn how to slide or throw the ball away that he could be a pretty productive quarterback. Um, but <clears throat> I, I'm hoping the Broncos just kind of just move on and just – use that money wherever they need to. Um, you know, maybe this is where go get that left tackle in a trade where now you can afford that $10 million left tackle, you know, things like that of, uh, you know, just move on. So what, <clears throat> I guess kind of on that same line, what is your outlook then on the upcoming season? Now that Romo is out of the picture, like what, what does this change? How does this affect the Broncos moving forward? Well, I hate to be pessimistic, but I also pride myself in being critical. You know, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people who drinks the orange and blue Kool-Aid. You know, I'm not that kind of fan. I like to look at the holes. 
I like to discuss how we can get better. And I like to be as realistic as possible. You know, some people are fans no matter what. You know, some guy fumbles it three times and you're still cheering for him. I'm thinking about it as a, you know, and talent evaluator slash GM. That's how I always try to picture the game. And I think this, with Simeon and Lynch, and about a two or three year window, you know, like it's going to take a couple years getting the reps, learning this new offense, and even not only just getting the reps, but finding out if they are the guys. If anybody tells you Simeon is the guy, if anybody tells you Lynch is the guy, they're false prophets. Nobody knows. We don't know what they're going to bring. There's not enough reps. They're not playing in this offense. I mean, last year's offense was an atrocity in terms of improvements and uh, getting offensive playmakers in space. So hopefully that'll improve on that side. But just in general, I mean, if you see Simeon or Lynch leading this team to the end of the year with orange and blue confetti falling, I just, I don't see it. Still have issues on the offensive line. Left tackle is still an issue. We'll see if uh, Leary... Uh, Paradis and Watson can stay healthy. All of them have serious injury questions. Uh, we'll see if Garcia or potentially uh, Schofield improves at that other guard position. If the running backs can stay healthy, get that extra weapon. And I don't know. I feel like a quarterback, even though it was a risk to bring in Romo, a quarterback of that caliber can kind of cover up those glaring weaknesses and you don't have to go through the growing pains of a young quarterback. But now I'm sitting here. I mean, this is, this is going to be another growing pain season. And whether it's Lynch or Simeon, I am somebody who's not in either camp. I want to see training camp. I want to see the preseason games. I want to take all that film that I can and dissect it to make my decision. Now that said, Simeon would have to vastly outperform Lynch given the contractual agreement. Simeon only has two years left, whereas Lynch has four and huge investment that the Broncos made to bring in Lynch. And even I think even bringing in McCoy and Vance Joseph had a lot to do with making Lynch the eventual guy. So if you're going to have a growing pains year, which I mean, with with these two, it, it is a growing pains year in my opinion. Even with the great defense, then probably go Lynch. But if Simeon outperforms him, then you can't you know you can't just go with Lynch. You know but that's my two cents on it at least. Yeah, I I'm always the optimist. You know that about me. I always yeah. see see things with the the blue and orange glasses. It's always um, that can, it's that Kansas sun, man. It's, it is. It, it is. Your know, brain. <laughs> we, we just you know we just have a happy go lucky attitude here in Kansas, and uh, just life is good, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, I I I agree. I think this is a little bit of a transition year. I if we win the Super Bowl, I will be shocked. Even though I am a very big Lynch fan, I've been a Lynch fan for way before we drafted him and probably one of the bigger Lynch fans you'll, you'll hear. Um, I like his potential, but yes, he needs a year of growing pains. Even Aaron Rodgers, years. you know, first year of starting for Aaron Rodgers. Do you know what their record was? Uh, six and 10. Yes, sir. Yeah. So yeah everybody kind of, everybody <laughs> kind of forgets about that. You know, they had to endure a, a tough year. And I'm not saying that we're going to have a six and 10 year because I think we have a defense that's good enough to make us probably eight and eight, unless some injuries happen. That's my guess. And yeah, that, that's, that's, you know, the eight and eight, nine and seven, you know, get a couple lucky bounces, go our way, 10 and six, get into that wild card round. Um, you know, get there's some things. Six and 10. Yeah, 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 exactly. There, there could go the other way too. And, and maybe there are a couple more moves we can make here in, in the off season. Um, I've been hearing more and more rumbles about Jason Peters that 
Philly is looking to move him. You get him in that left tackle spot. I feel much better about our offensive line. I feel like we got the, we could become that bully unit, you know, where we just go and knock people's teeth out, develop a good run game. So maybe we don't need a top tier quarterback to, to make a good run. If we have a good run game with a high class defense, you know, anything can happen with that, that kind of combination. You know, we won a Super Bowl with just a defense. We didn't even have a good offense. And so, I mean, uh, there's still some hope there. And there's still some moves that the Broncos could make. They can add some playmakers. Um, Adrian Peterson's name's been out there for a while. You know, their draft is full of some some big playmakers. So maybe if you hit on that that guy that's that instant impact guy day one, you know, it changes the entire offense where, and to me, I don't view our offense needing to be this huge jump from, you know, like 25th to all of a sudden top five for us to stand a chance. You know, we get into the top half of the league. I think we're going to be okay with this defense. You know, we don't need to score 30 points to win a game. We can score 24, 25 points and win a lot of games this year. So there's still hope. And I, I, like the chances of some of these young guys developing. Heard some really good things about uh, Paxton Lynch and the, the development of him this summer or this, this offseason. And already heard um, he showed up two weeks early for our uh, OTAs that are starting here. Is it one week away? One yeah, week? I believe so. One week. And he already showed up two weeks because he wanted to acclimate to the, um, to the altitude make sure that he was he was acclimated want to get to have some time with teammates that were in town already and so he's making some smart decisions you know better decisions than last year I was kind of told that he struggled to put down the xbox last year and so yeah so (laughs) maybe now he's kind of going okay I got to realize if I want to be a good quarterback in this league you know you can't just sit there and play you know Madden on online and become something good I think there's some quarterback out there that did that. I think Petty, if I remember right, Bryce Petty, that Maybe. was what he said that he did to, to train was play Madden. And yeah, it doesn't uh, work that way. It really does not. You know, you stick it on rookie and win a game 100 to zero. It's not really teaching you much. So yeah. anyway, I, I, I like our chances. You know, there's still some moves that we could make that would make me feel a lot better depending on what we do on the draft, all those kind of things. Um, so, I mean, it, it's an incomplete grade right now of where we're at as a team. Elway's kind of known as that guy that can add a guy in April, May, late March, you know, that makes a big impact. Um, you know, 2015 to win our Super Bowl. It wasn't quite in April, but it was very late May. A few weeks after, you know, free agency had all started, we brought in Darian Stewart. And I remember quite a few Bronco fans kind of going, who? Who is this guy? And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's one of the best free safeties we've had in a long time. You know, hey, he man. goes out there don't, and makes a don't huge. Don't Raheem the Dream. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Raheem the Dream. Yes. Yeah. He, he, made a lot of, he made a lot of dreams for Baltimore fans. Oh, my God. Um, Haunts my nightmares. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. We'll leave that in the past. But, you know, that, like I said, that was a late signing that everybody was kind of going, who is this? And, and now Elway looks like a genius for that one. So maybe Elway has a couple genius moves left in him. Um, you know, there's, this is a deep draft, so we can find impact players that can come in day one, uh, make a big impact. So th- there, there's still some, some hope there to see what happens. I, I don't know. I don't think we've caught we, – well, we haven't caught um, the Patriots. We're not even close no. on that. No. But, you know, maybe we've, we've, we can make enough moves to get into that Oakland, Kansas City, Pittsburgh area 
I don't think we're touching Pittsburgh either, but I, I do think that we have a chance to catch the Raiders. Although with them adding Jared Cook and Derek Carr looking like he can become an elite quarterback, uh, I don't know. It really is going to depend on how we solidified the, the run game on both sides of the ball, defense and offense, in my opinion. Yeah. I guess with the Raiders, it's still that defense. They just don't have yeah. a defense. You know, they got Mac and who else, you know? And I mean, they have other impact players, don't get me wrong, but yeah. the rest of them didn't really show up a whole lot. And they haven't really done much to fix that. You know, it looks like they're going to the draft and saying, all right, some of our draft picks, they're just going to have to show up and make us a great defense. And, you know, I kind of, I always joke with Raider fans of, I told you, when Del Rio came in, you're going to have a very boring defense. Yeah. You know, he, he loves that preseason defense, that prevent. Um, you know, just then don't break. Right. Iowa does it all the time. Right. Death by a thousand paper cuts, you know? Yep. And uh, <clears throat> that's what we're seeing there. And, and well, is it Oakland, San Antonio? Is it Las Vegas? I don't know Who quite. Cares? Yeah. <laughs> the black hole. It's still the black there hole. You go. There you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I think we can do enough to, to catch them and have that, you know, we have that third place schedule. Uh, it looks tough. I mean, I know people say, oh, you have a top five uh, strength of schedule. Well, it's mostly because we're playing the Raiders and the Chiefs, who both had great records. So yeah. And the NFC East. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we can compete division-wise just fine. I mean, we were right there pretty close to the end. You know, last couple games we were out of it. But, um, yeah, so I, I still like the team. I just don't know. I don't think Super Bowl this year. But not everybody, not every year is going to be a Super Bowl year. Why not? I do it in Madden. <laughs> me and Bryce Petty. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, turn off that cap or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's a little different. <laughs> I, I just turn off fair trade. That's what I do. And I trade for the top rookies so they're cheap against the salary cap and, you know, killing it with Mac and Aaron Donald on their rookie contracts. Can't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know how to do it. Yeah, that, that's, it's great. I just load up on pass rushers, defensive trench players, man, just dominate. Don't Perfect. even have to blitz. Don't even have to blitz. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think we'll be right there again with the uh, the rest of the division. I think the AFC West, top to bottom, is the best division in football. I guess you could argue the NFC East, but we're going to settle that on the field this year, so can't beat that. And I think eight and eight is probably what I will predict predict right now. Uh, off season's not over yet, so it's nothing's official. But eight and eight is where I would stand right now. The roster sits with a standard deviation. You can tell I'm a statistician of uh, two wins on both sides. So, you know, if somebody gets injured, you know, six and 10 is possible, but so is 10 and six. I think anything above 10 and six and you had some quarterback development or some lucky wins maybe, or just some guys step up that we weren't expecting. But right now, just looking at the roster, I see a team that's going to be fighting for the playoffs with a decent amount of youth, a new coaching staff, and not a surefire answer at quarterback. So that's, that's about what you'd expect. And I, I'm guessing the national media will, fit right around there as well. Yeah. Yep. I think ESPN just did their uh, division rankings and stuff like that. And they had the Broncos finishing third about that eight and eight range. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, when you don't have a a viable quarterback option right now, you know, or the answer at the quarterback position, you're always going to, to be in that range. So. Exactly. (laughs) Even with a great defense. Yeah. Until they answer that question of, do we actually have, a quarterback that you can trust, you know, then people will start predicting a lot more, but until then, yeah, eight and eight, 10 and six, that's probably tops you can predict. Agreed. 
Well, before we get to our next section, I'd like to let you know that according to a study from the Interactive Advertising Bureau and Edison Research, consumers are highly likely to purchase from podcast sponsors. According to a survey of 1,000 podcast listeners, nearly two-thirds of them were more willing to consider purchasing products and services they learned about during pod a podcast. 60% added that given equal price and quality, they prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. So if you are listening to this show as a business owner, that's some powerful data. If you'd like to reach the, the male demographic in particular, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at milehighhuddle at gmail.com to talk about it. Well, Nick, last week we, we did a segment that I called Opposite Sides. And the very next day, you emailed me saying that you'd thought about it and you had to outdo me and come up with the name called uh, Offsides. Sorry, so, I'm yeah. funny. Like, that's the lowest yeah. form of humor, but that's what I got going for me. So I'm, gonna have to, <laughs> I'm selling out. That's how you got your girl, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, she, she enjoys all forms of puns. That's all good. The time. At least she yeah. did the first year of dating. Uh, not so much anymore. So I got to do them on the podcast for the listeners. There you go. There you go. You get the eye roll now. That's that's yes. what I get quite oh, often. Man. Yeah, she's, she's got big eyes too. So they're just like <laughs> extremely expressive. So it's it hurts my feelings. It really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you if you listened last week, you know what this is kind of about. If you didn't, I'll explain it here real quick. Of Nick and I, like I said, we we don't always agree on prospects, which is a good thing. You know, we challenge each other on thoughts on on what we see and what we don't see, and we like to challenge each other to try to see from the other perspective. And so that's kind of what this is, is this offsides of, of you have to take the, the opposite side on a prospect that you either love or hate. And, and those are kind of harsh words, you know, because I, I think we all kind of like some of these prospects, both of us, you know, just maybe one of us likes it more that likes him more than the other. But last week we went over Ramchek, Robinson, Najoku and McCaffrey. Who? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Never heard that name before. <laughs> but anyway, these are all guys that have been linked to the Broncos. They've had visits. They've had um, interest in them in the first round. And and this week, I wanted to kick off with another guy that I've seen linked to us. That I've seen a lot of mock drafts even send them our way. That fits a, a need for our team or needs for our team, I guess you could say. In John Ross, and I think I've been a little higher on him than you have. I think the, the injuries worry you a lot more than they do me. A lot. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, let, let's get into this guy where you have to give the pros and I'll give the cons. But, uh, yeah, I, I think everybody kind of knows a little bit of, of his story. Um, I, you know, he's the talk of the combine. And I guess I'll let you start here. I'll let you go pro and I'll let you talk about all that. I don't want to take your, your segment. Yeah, for sure. No, it's all good. So I guess the main thing that everyone should know about by Ross by now, speed, 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 speed. You can't teach it. He ran a 4.2240 at the combine. And I mean, I remember sitting there in the, the press room when those uh, events were going on while I was at the combine and just in the crazy, just buzz. Cause it, had, it was over in four seconds, but just the energy in the room just exploded from all the media people just gasping like, wow, just this is incredible. And that's something that the Denver offense has not had. I mean, we have Sanders and we have Demarius Thomas who are fast. Don't get me wrong. They'd beat me in a race, obviously. But <laughs> 4-2-2, I mean, that's, that's Tyreek Hill. 
that is Chris Johnson. That is something that you just can't teach, and it just opens up so much for the offense. He would make the safeties back off. He would help just a deep threat. He'd help underneath if he gets the balls in his hand on short routes. He's a decent route runner, deep and short. He does a good job tracking the ball deep, which is something that you want to watch for those wide receivers. And for being a smaller receiver, he's very effective in the red zone. You know, he can see him with suddenness and just decisiveness in his routes and in and out of his cuts that he can create separation in a short distance and give himself a wide frame for the quarterback to deliver the ball. And I love also that he brings a element of return the return game. We haven't had a dynamic returner like him probably ever. I mean, Trinan Holiday was explosive, but at 5'5", 10 pounds, I think it was, he fumbled the ball almost <laughs> almost every time he touched it, it seemed like. So just we have never had a weapon like that in the return game. So obviously he has some issues with uh, injuries, but I've been told that he's passed a number of teams' medicals. So I, it's there's some buzz out there that he might be the first wide receiver taken and he wouldn't be there at 20. And people are saying he is the uh, a better version of Will Fuller last year without the drops. That's assuming his medicals pass. So I'm a fan. I'm not a big fan of wide receiver round one when you have so much money already invested in it. But if Denver goes John Ross round one, I mean, it's hard not to be excited. No, I agree. And and just a question. I was just thinking about this. Is this maybe the best special teams draft that you've seen? I was just thinking this with John Ross, McCaffrey, uh, another guy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit that we'll get into for the the cornerback group. But, you know, uh, you have Switzer, you know, all those kind of guys. Um, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking about all these returners, and it's it's amazing. What, I don't know up. if it's that. Yeah, I don't know if it's that, or it's just that we are so balls deep into the draft prospects now that we know every fifth and sixth round returner. That's true. So, <laughs> So that's probably, I mean, there are a lot of great returners this year and that's great because Denver needs one. I mean, somebody that not a lot of people talk about is uh, Eddie Jackson. He's a phenomenal returner. Adoree Jackson, phenomenal returner. Ryan Switzer, phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. Carlos Henderson, Curtis Samuel, McCaffrey. It's just insane, but nobody runs that (laughs) 4-2-2. Exactly. All right. Well, I'll get into the con here and probably need to sit back for this injury list because it's going to take a little bit. After the combine, I'll, I'll kind of work backwards time-wise here. Um, after the combine, we had sh- shoulder surgery for for John Ross and something that was kind of hobbling a little bit there. Um, and then, of course, we had during the 40 time. You know, if anybody was watching that live or watched the replays or whatever, you kind of saw in that last about 10 yards, he came up hobbling, pulled a hamstring, and couldn't hardly do anything after that. And... You know, I, it kind of just, it makes me wonder if he didn't pull it, what his time would have been. But, you know, that, that's beyond the point. I mean, he still ran fast even with that. Um, just shows even the, the smallest thing can, can sometimes set this guy off. And then, of course, we have in 2014, he had a knee injury um, that bothered him during the season, but he kept playing through it, which, you know, hey, give him credit for. Very, very impressive. And then we have... Uh, the, the next season, he was trying to, after that, um, in the offseason, he did go have microfracture surgery on his right knee. 
then the next season trying to protect that right knee, he talked about it where he saw a guy coming at him and decided to try to jump over him. And he didn't want to land on that right knee because he was afraid of injuring it. So he left, landed on his left knee and tore his ACL and MCL. So both knees not looking great. And I think that's pretty much main, the main injuries that he's gone through. Um, but, yeah, that, that has to worry you. Uh, when a guy, especially that you're going to have trying to play the slot, and he has ACL, MCL, microfracture surgery, you know, on his knees, and those are going to be where he's trying to twist and turn, and, you know, how long do those hold out? You're using a first-round pick. You want to get two, two contracts out of this guy. That's what you want. So just have to see uh, what, what he truly has left in him. Um, and then, of course, some other issues that I see, play strength. Um, he struggled with press co coverage, which he'll see a lot of if he's in the slot. Needs to learn how to use his hands and his speed to be able to get open. That's one thing I love about Sanders. He is one of the, the best at being able to, to use his hands and get off that press coverage and, and get open. He's one of the few that can really do that. And then he's not always great with the 50-50 balls. You know, he's not big. He's not tall. Um, he's not strong, you know, or as strong as a lot of the other wide receivers. And so just he has a certain skill set. You, you can take advantage of it and you love it. You love to have it on your team. But he also has some, some areas where you're just not going to be able to use him. Um, and then I'm hearing a little bit that he does struggle with um, the head game. Uh, he has one bad drop and then the rest of the, the game that really gets to him. You know, they'll see him on the sideline with just this really bad body language and just really down about it and just can't let it go. And that, that can't happen in the NFL. You know, you're going to have drops. It happens. We see it with DT where he kind of started pressing a lot more. We can't have that. You know, you need to be able to forget and move on. So lots of good, lots of bad with that guy. Um, yeah, I feel you. And for me, it's just, it's mainly the injuries. He's already had so many problems that uh, we don't need a receiver that bad to take one, especially when there's talent second, third round. That is very good. Like you got Godwin, you got Zay Jones, you got Carlos Henderson, you got Taewon Taylor, just name after name that, I know he ran that 4-2-2, but the injuries are just so big. I mean, they're just so concerning that I just I wouldn't take that chance, personally, if it was me. No, I, I understand. Like I said, I'm, I'm higher on him than you are. I, Man, that speed going up the middle, <laughs> just scaring teams. You know, I just view it as how much that could open up the run game. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's a big part for me. So I, I would be excited, but I would be nervous every time the kid took a big hit. And I, I hate that feeling. <laughs> I, I really do. So I, I, it's a risk-reward kind of pick for us. I have that feeling every time Simeon drops back and Donald Stevenson or Ty Sambrello is on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can understand that, yeah. <laughs> All right, so next up we have Hassan Reddick. And this has been probably one of the biggest risers in the NFL draft. Absolutely, the biggest one. There's yeah. No, he was a third-round pick, now he's – I've heard top 10, like get out of here, but anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was a guy you, you keyed me on him. I can't remember December, January is before the senior bowl. I remember that. And you kind of, cause I'd ask you, you know, what are some players names that I should be looking for at the senior bowl? And, and you said, Hassan or Reddick, watch this kid. I think he could be something. And uh, so I remember watching him, reading up on him 
and then just hearing that he exploded there at the at the Senior Bowl. I mean, just shocked everybody with how well he did playing off ball, uh, rushing the passer, helping in the run game, you know, coverage, whatever you needed from this guy, he thrived. And that's just incredible to hear for a guy that's so raw at trying to do some of those things. So this time, I guess you're going to take the con. I'll take the pro because you are higher on him. I, I love this kid too. So it's kind of hard for me to, to sit here and say, I'll, you know, I would take him in the first, you know, Absolutely. Heartbeat kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So I'll start out here with the pro and then you can go with the con. But one of the, the best things, like I was just talking about where, you know, he was an edge rusher there at Temple. And then they started moving around a little bit. You know, he went there as a safety. That, that's what's crazy, you know, and he just kind of grew size-wise and just they decided, you know what, this guy's got such athleticism that they just wanted him to, to be able to rush the passer. And <clears throat> so I, I view him as what I call that joker linebacker. You move him around to find the, the weakest matchup. You just find wherever you need him to go, and he'll go make a play. He is <sighs> – there's just not many linebackers that could do what he does. I'm trying to think of linebackers that I would feel comfortable moving around like that. You know, even Von Miller – um, he does okay in coverage, but that's not where you want him to be. You know, you, you get a, an above average player in coverage or with this on Reddick, I think you can get an elite coverage guy. You can get an elite run stopping guy, <clears throat> you know, whatever you need, you can have him get after the quarterback cause that's what he did in college. And, and so I just love that. That would be amazing to add to this aggressive defense. And, you know, he just, I don't know. He just has everything you'd want. He has athleticism. He has decent size and he just flies around the field. He wants to hit people and just a great tackler. I, I don't know. I, there, there's just not enough good things you can say about this guy. He just, I, I think if you added him to this defense, you'd say coaches, just do whatever you want with him. And he would just go and, and thrive. And I really do think he's just scratching the surface of his abilities. I agree with you 110%. He is the answer to the evolving offenses. At least he can be, in theory, to the evolving offenses that use more of those running backs that can escape out of the backfield and make plays and the smaller tight ends with speed. You know, you want this guy lined up on Jordan Reed. You want this guy going up against David Johnson. And if you don't have one of them, those offensive weapons are going to make you pay. Now, with that said, I got to cover some cons, even though I love Reddick. I wrote about him while I was at the Combine, like saying, like, this is a guy who should be in play at 20 because he's that talented. So I guess I, guess I, I got some things because, granted, he has not played much off-ball linebacker. You know, there's just not a lot of tape there. So it is a projection. And anytime you're projecting a guy to go from one position to another, especially in the first round, that's going to be a risk. Um, he is too small to play the edge consistently where he played at, at the end of college area. I think he weighed at 237 pounds at the combine. So that's just not big enough to hold up consistently at the edge. And one thing that I think he may have issues with is especially in a three, four coming downhill and disengaging off blocks. Now you see him lined up on the edge where he can, you know, get out of his stance very fast and, you know, that good burst that you like to see from an edge rusher to beat blocks with speed. However, coming downhill with against a, a guard or tackle that's getting to the second level is a different kind of beast. It's just a totally different way of disengaging. So I'm not really sure 
how good he'd be at that, especially at 237. He's not going to be big for a 3-4 inside linebacker. Honestly, if I was drafting and if we ran a 4-3, I would be all over him because I think he'd be a perfect will. He plays with good instincts, plays with his hair on fire, and he's just a guy that you just say, see ball, go get ball, and he just takes off. You know, love that. We'll go find the ball carrier, deliver a hit, or cover. In a 3-4 where he's going to be asked to take on more blockers I and fill in gaps, I just that makes me a little bit more uneasy. Not that he can't. Not that he can't. But that just is another level of projection that is hard to do, and I just don't see too much tape evidence right now that he can do that. So, and also for just an off-ball linebacker, I mean, we talked about how great he tested athletically, but for an off-ball linebacker, instincts trump athleticism. There are plenty of athletic guys who fail at linebacker because you got to be quick. You got to not take false steps. You got to be able to read the flow of the offensive line. And that's something that takes time and repetition and film study. And just with the limited reps he's had, had there, you can't say that he would be able to do that day one. So I still like Reddick a lot. And I think his value is about 17 to 25. And if he goes higher than that, I'd be very, very skeptical as a fan. The granted, the way this draft class is, I think there's only like five elite talents and there's about 80 second rounders. So that's, that's what you're probably gonna have to do in those team picks. But if Denver took him at 20, I would, I would love it. I'd be a big fan. And I think he just adds another element to the defense that we don't have right now. Agreed. Yep. And, and like you said, those instinct things, uh, it's, it's a very underrated skill and it's a very hard one to always see. And especially like you said, when he's switching positions, I just kind of got into this a little bit with somebody earlier today about how they kept saying speed kills. You know, you need speed. And I, I agree, speed is great. But speed without instincts just is kind of a fast guy running around the field not knowing what he's doing. And yeah. can actually become a liability because they can use the speed against him. So, you know, that, that's something to always keep in mind with that of speed's great, but it's, it's only part of the equation. What do you think about a, uh, a higher upside Bruce Irvin uh, comparison? Because Bruce Irvin is the plays that off ball and then has that speed rush edge where he's too small to hang there consistently, but just an athletic freak can move sideline to sideline and, you know, either hopefully the Reddick's better in coverage, but that's just kind of that coming downhill as well as that edge rush support. I think that's kind of the closest I can think of in the NFL right now. Yeah, I was maybe I was leaning towards, I was thinking maybe Clay Matthews a little bit since they kind of moved him oh, yeah. around. Um, they, they kind of put him at that middle linebacker position because they were struggling so much in the run game. But there again, I, I don't know how he's going to do about getting off blocks where Clay Matthews did really well getting off blocks and then they could have him blitzing up the middle. And, but Clay Matthews wasn't always that great in coverage. So I, I think Reddick would be a better guy in coverage than him. But just like I said, just more that's the moving a, a player around to try to find the mismatches and try to get the you know best players on the field at the same time. That, that's kind of how I view Reddick. Yeah, I agree. And I, I would love him at 20. I think we'll probably go offense either way. I think you can get probably better value later in the draft. The only linebacker I'd probably take is – Ruben Foster. Ah, I don't know. I love Reddick. It just depends on how the board falls. That's 20 picks. Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? <laughs> but I would not be, I'd probably give it an A instead of an A plus if we drafted him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom's no, a teacher, I agree. so I'm I... always assigning grades. Can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap up episode seven of our draft focus huddle up podcast. We are closing in on three weeks until the draft. 
And of course, with that Romo money now freed up, what will the Broncos do next? I guess we'll find out soon. Bronco fans, make sure to keep checking back on Mile High Huddle for all your updates with free agency, the draft, and all other Bronco news. You can find Carl on Twitter, at CarlDumblerMHH, and myself on Twitter, at NickKendallMHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle, and for the podcast account, at HuddleUp underscore MHH. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up the seventh episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and we will see you back soon. Go Broncos. Mile high huddle. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations. Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth. Plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself.